Supporters of Bernie Sanders have long alleged that MSNBC and other liberal news outlets have given them short shrift, even going so far in 2016 to perpetuate the Bernie bro smear. Well, now, thanks to a recent report put out by In These Times magazine, we have the smoking gun, empirical evidence that MSNBC and other liberal outlets are indeed biased against Bernie Sanders. The author of that report is joining us today, and he's going to tell us all about that and much more. Joining us today is the author of that report. It showed up in In These Times magazine this past month. It was the cover story. It reveals that as many Bernie Sanders supporters have been suspicious for many, many years, MSNBC is all but ignoring Bernie Sanders. And when they do talk about Bernie Sanders, it is oftentimes negative coverage. Branko Marchetich is the author, lead researcher, reporter of that story. Is that right, Branko? Thanks for joining us on the show. I'll let him explain it to you guys. Yeah, that that, that all sounds pretty accurate. Uh, I had had to help with some very uh, good hardworking interns um, at the Indies Times office uh, and and the whole Indies Times crew. Uh, you know, the, the report went through several uh, rounds of kind of checking. So uh, we had different people look at uh, the data that I gathered to make sure that, that uh, me and the interns hadn't, um, you know, wrongly classified something as, as perhaps negative or positive when it should have been uh, neutral. Um, and actually, I think on the, on the whole, we were actually, if anything, more conservative with what we uh, decreed was, was positive or negative. And, and yeah, the results basically speak for themselves. I mean, we uh, ended up finding that, as you say, this anecdotal talk that's been happening on, on Twitter and, and other online spaces about how Sanders kind of doesn't get the best, most favorable treatment on MSNBC, uh, to say the least, uh, um, is actually pretty accurate. Um, I, I think probably the, the biggest thing is not just that he gets negatively portrayed. Highlight, because for me, as, you know, again, I'm not the political analyst here, but just as a woman, probably considered a somewhat moderate Democrat, I, Bernie Sanders makes my skin crawl. And I can't even identify for you what exactly it is, but I, I see him as sort of a, a not pro-woman candidate. And, and then particularly from two shows, um, not every MSNBC show was, uh, you know, negative towards him. Um, in fact, right. a few were quite quite positive. I, I think there's sort of, some of the MSNBC shows have an unwritten rule, like Lawrence O'Donnell's. I think seems to be like we're not going to say anything bad about anyone uh, when it's going to be positive uh, about every candidate. Um, but uh, Chris Matthews and Brian Williams' shows, uh, that I think something like 86% of uh, Sanders' negative mentions just came from those two shows alone. Um, that discussion right there encapsulates so much of what we heard tonight. You got one side of the party offering free salad bar and breadsticks, everything right up to that, and the other side of the party trying to be the moderate saying, we can't promise this stuff. Yeah, and, and you know, those shows, especially Chris Matthews, have uh, long been sort of hostile, latently hostile, uh, if even that, um, towards uh, kind of progressive politics. That's, that's like the home of the sort of, you need a centrist, uh, a, a, a dull corporate centrist to um, win the election. That's that's the home base for that idea. And, and yeah, those guys were very negative towards him. Uh, 
it, interestingly enough, actually, initially Warren and Sanders were kind of more paired together when they were criticized. Mm-hmm. And then in September, as you, you know, her polling went up and, and there was a, a, she got a big media boost, a lot of favorable media coverage in going into that September debate. And, and after that, uh, I think partly because of her rising poll numbers, but also I think there's, we can talk about that as well. But I think there's a general kind of uh, uh, media affinity for Warren, um, sort of like media identity politics, for lack of a better word, where people kind of see right. themselves in, in her, her, her meritocratic uh, rise. They all um, went to, you know, Columbia Journalism School and they, they see themselves like as cut from the same cloth as that sort of professional managerial class, media political elite class of, uh, of operator, similar to Warren and her supporters in many senses. So let's, let me flash up an inf- infographic from your, from your report. Uh, the report is quite extensive. People should read it. I'm going to link to it in the video uh, description below, of course. But as you mentioned, the most egregious offender of the, the Bernie bashers uh, are they are Brian Williams and Chris Matthews. We saw Chris Matthews on display after the recent Democratic debates, still thumbing the scale for this sort of uh, dead pundit neoliberal centrism that has failed time and time again. It is a real San Andreas fault in the Democratic Party today. You can talk all about you all don't like Trump and you all want to get rid of it, but Bernie won't even agree with that. His first chance tonight, and he basically said, this isn't about getting rid of Trump. This is about my big social democratic revolution I want to start going through the same old litany of numbers. He doesn't accept your argument that you have to appeal to moderates. You got to get some moderate center-left Democrats, some centrists, and some Republicans. Yeah. And then you and Buttigieg and the vice president, the former vice president, all argued you have to go for a larger audience than just the, the hard left. Exactly. He doesn't accept that. And Elizabeth Warren damn well doesn't accept it either. No. That's the fight, isn't it? Um, surprisingly, Chris Hayes is in number three. We normally see Chris Hayes, we like to perceive anyway, Chris Hayes as being quite friendly to the left, being of the progressive left, being a former journalist, uh, you know, more plucky kind of uh, investigative journalism journalist himself, quite like you, Branko, in some cases. He is in number three for negative Sanders mentions, which is somewhat alarming. And Rachel Whoa. Maddow is coming in, in in last place, which is in this case is good for us, is having the, the, the fewest negative Bernie Sanders mentions. And yet some of the most uh, buzzworthy clip style, you know, anti-Bernie sentiment often comes on, on the Rachel Maddow show from her guests. So talk to us about this, this info chart. Um, you're, you're, you're tracking positive and negative mentions, but what about mentions period? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, the vast majority of everyone's mentions were, were we just kind of just neutral. So, you know, I was just sort of reporting, you know, this is the poll result. This is the, this is what happened today, whatever. Um, and, and I mean, I think the biggest problem for Sanders on MSNBC is that he just doesn't really get mentioned that much. I mean, he got mentioned by far the least out of, out of those three and, and both, he and Warren just paled in comparison to the amount of um, uh, of time that was spent discussing Joe Biden, whether whether negatively or positively, and it was more positive than negative uh, for Biden. But Biden, at least for those three months, just monopolized um, Canada coverage, uh, particularly once the Ukraine thing happened. Um, that really inflated his numbers in September. But even even before that. He he blew them out of the water. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me right now, but but it was something like maybe twice, twice, even maybe maybe even close to, to uh, three times as much as as Sanders um, that, that Biden was being mentioned. Uh, with, with the the Hayes versus Maddow thing, I mean, there's there's some nuance that gets lost in this because uh, Maddow, for example, didn't really cover 
uh, the candidates that much. She covered, I believe, the candidates the least out of out of Russia. Russia. Right. She covered <laughs> Russia. There's the a Russians. lot of Folks. scary Russian news. Today. Russians are subverting our democracy. Putin, Russia, 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 Russia hates Russia, 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 Putin, Russia's Russia, 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 Russian, 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 Russia, Russia, Moscow, Moscow, Russia, Russian, pro-Russian, Russian, Russia, Russian, 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 the Russians. I don't actually have a Rachel Maddow impersonation, but that was, you know, you can just kind of talk about Russia and wave your hands and that's. Yeah, right. Yeah, no. Well, you know, the American people have to understand why they have to stay in Syria for the next 50 years. Right. Uh, right. And, and uh, who else is going to tell them that other than Rachel Maddow? So, so Maddow Russian actually, subversion of our democracy, folks. That's right. The enunciation, I think, is key to the uh, to the impression. Um, but she she didn't really uh, talk about them that much um, when she did it tend to be positive, not that much negative stuff. Uh, and, and by the way, when I say she tended to talk about them positively. I, when I say that, I mean the hosts and the guests of the show. So we're, we're talking about just the entire uh, kind of apparatuses of the show. Uh, apparatuses? Apparati? Apparatis. Apparatisai. Apparatis. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So it could even be the case that Chris Hayes himself is quite quite uh, friendly to Sanders and the, a, a more progressive radical agenda, but his guests are on there to, to offer a, maybe an oppositional perspective or something. I, like I that. think that's, so, that's part of it. I mm-hmm. think also, I mean, from both the data and my impressions of, of going through all the, 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 the trashes of the shows, Hayes and Melba were actually the most friendly to Sanders. Hayes does the thing where because he's kind of the consummate, um, I mean, and he is, he's, he's probably the fairest to, to everyone out of out of uh, all the show, I mean, like he's the he's the least clearly one sided. Like Matthew's show, for example, is very clear. He is in the tank for Biden, uh, which is which I think he doesn't really make that much of a secret about. I mean, he, he, there's one segment where he kind of said, like, you know, like I, I have to I have to like watch out for my own heart because you know Joe Biden's my guy, uh, and maybe maybe he's not the best uh, candidate after all. Um, and and you know, Chris Matthews, if you if you go through some of his public uh, utterances over the last uh, whatever number of years, he he's very glowing towards Joe Biden. He he definitely buys into that whole thing that like Joe Biden it has a unique kind of um, entryway into the the mind of the blue collar worker. Which uh, yeah, certainly he has he has appeal <laughs> among blue collar workers. Yeah, but like I yeah. you know uh, obviously yeah. for for reasons that I'm sure that you've got on uh, over on your show that, that's a very dubious uh, proposition. Yeah, I mean, he, speaking of identity politics, uh, that's the Chris <laughs> Matthews uh, Joe Biden connection is like the. The old crusty, like, like, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, right wing Democrat revisionist labor politics identity right. politics. But it is right? it's like it's, it's 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 the idea of of what a blue collar labor looked like in some revisionist, like, fevered right wing Democratic mind post neoliberalism or something. I don't know. It, it is identity politics for like w- white guys who make uh, six to seven figures and but still think of themselves as blue collar because they're like conservative uh, economically and, and uh, socially and culturally in some ways. Yeah, because um, they play so stickball, you know, with, right, uh, yeah, right. with Joey, Joey Beans and, and Johnny Rockets, you know, uh, <laughs> back back in, uh, you know, back in the hometown. You know, yeah, well, I think kids. actually they, uh, Johnny Rockets is in talks to uh, take over an MSNBC show. So, you know, mm. it's, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep it's it. It's inevitable. They, they, yeah. They've got the they've got their finger on the blue collar pulse over there. Yeah. So yeah, let's yeah. let's peel back from the kind of names and the personality conflict 
Netflix of MSNBC. I don't know how much our listeners and viewers are, you know, engaged with that. Although you really can't be like engaged in politics. And I presume people out here are watching or at least relatively moderately engaged in politics without being aware of what goes on on NBC, MSNBC. And that's just really the the real the real key of your story is that MSNBC has this outsized influence in the discourse. And, and they, are, they are not representing the most like electrifying and exciting and influential, you know, currents uh, in, in that purportedly that that realm of politics, that that beat that they're supposed to be covering or alleged that they alleged to cover. Um, what does this say? Let's 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 peel back a little bit. What does this say about our prospects in 2020? Are they poised, as you argue in this piece, to repeat the same mistakes from 2016? Oh, you're asking me to make a prediction, and I yeah. and I hate making predictions. Uh, well, I mean, we don't have to guess about what's going to happen next, but are they on course? The course that they are pursuing right now is it eerily similar to to yes. the way that they had they were they were completely ignoring uh, the dominant uh, trends and in, in, in the source of the excitement in in 2016. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the prevailing narrative. Uh, over all of these shows, uh, may, maybe maybe not so much Melba's and Hayes, but but um, certainly the, you know Matthews, Williams, um, and O'Donnells. Uh, the prevailing narrative there is that you need a safe, steady pair of hands, not too not too radical, not too uh, whatever, not too not too left wing, a, a Goldilocks Democrat, right? Exactly. Not too. Uh, who not is too just, who is going to be able to beat Trump? And that's Joe Biden. That's absolutely Joe Biden. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the universe in which MSNBC's coverage of Joe Biden exists on a, in a completely different reality from the one you and I experience. We, in the plane that we live on, we see Joe Biden consistently unable to remember even his own uh, former president's name. Uh, we see Joe Biden. And in the debates, uh, meandering and incoherently talking about uh, bringing up record players uh, being played to children by social workers in, in a question about um, the legacies of slavery before pivoting to Venezuela for some reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we see Joe Biden, for example, in that latest debate, um, talking about punching and punching and punching at the problem of domestic violence. Uh, we see Joe Biden... Mm-hmm. Um, go to uh, uh, New Hampshire, or was it Vermont? Uh, it's one of the two, and he confuses one for the other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, usually a pretty good idea to, when you're in a state <laughs> to know which state you're in and campaigning in. Uh, you know, I could go on and on uh, and on. Yeah. Ask, ask a KISS look. cover band who travels the country, for God's sakes, and they'll know, <laughs> they'll know what town they're in, like despite all the drugs they've taken on the tour bus on the way in town. <laughs> Uh, yeah, That's I mean, right. that, you're you're not you're not wrong. So they're 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 portraying uh, they're they're really polishing a turd here in a real mm-hmm. serious sense, right? Their their vision of what Biden is, who he is, what kind of operator, uh, you know, he, what what kind of potential he has as an op- political operator, it just is is in stark contrast with what we're experiencing on the television. A lot of I don't I don't believe I'm the first person to have said this, but a lot of people make a lot of hay out of uh, transcribing Trump's. Uh, public live remarks say at his rallies they're just completely nonsensical if you transcribe his speeches they're they're you know non sequiturs and and just complete things come you know anyway if you transcribe joe biden's uh, debate performances you would see much the same thing it's just complete nonsensical gibberish and and these people are going a long way to try to polish that and and i, I think you're right i don't think that's going to play in it in a potential general uh, election in 2020 well it, it's no exaggeration to say that that 
all the stuff that that we've just outlined that doesn't even get barely a mention in MSNBC. It's as as if it doesn't exist. It's as if the Joe Biden we're seeing now is the same Joe Biden of of 2012, who, you know, was far more lucid and quick-witted and articulate and and eloquent than than the one now. His dentures Um, were a little more stable in his mouth. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. His his eye wasn't pouring with blood. Um, I mean, the... If it does get a mention, uh, which is usually after debates, because because when it's a debate, you can't really ignore um, whatever insane thing he said, because the debate coverage is, is you know, uh, that's like all hands on deck. Everyone's watching that. And so instead, you get commentators going up and, and basically covering for whatever ridiculous thing he said. You know, the record player thing, for example, somebody, somebody said... Um, Oh well, you know, yeah. People weren't giving him the credit of what he was trying to do there. You know, he was actually he actually had a pretty good answer. It's just people people are not being nice, you know. And and there's this whole narrative that oh, this is simply, it's just Biden being Biden. This is just Biden's gaffes. And the thing is, Biden's gaffes. Yes, Biden was known for for, for gaffes throughout his whole career. But those gaffes were results of him. He had this kind of shoot from the hip persona where he. Um, where he would just kind of say the thing that oh no no one wanted to say out loud but everyone's thinking and you know he would like say outrageous thing. The Joe, Joe Biden's gaffes now are not those same gaffes. The gaffes now are just ones just seemingly of, of, of cognitive failure. You know he can't remember people's names. He he seems to just lose track of what he's even saying. He he stumbles and slurs his words. Um, so it's but but again in the universe of MSNBC the universe that MSNBC is constructing for its viewers who are primarily uh, older liberals uh, and, and exactly the kind of people who are going to vote in disproportionately high numbers unless uh, Sanders really is able to turn out a, a, a large youth vote and a large non-voter vote. Um, but these are people that are watching MSC, MSC and, and how, they're the people that reality is being filtered through for, through the purview of, you know, um, We're con- constructing, constructing a certain kind of political and social reality through, through <laughs> that mechanism, through that sort of media mechanism. And it's really frightening as how a lot of people are falling prey to that. Now, what, what have you seen in terms of just somewhat off, off topic, but relative relevant here? Uh, what are the sort of um, studies about the socioeconomic status of, of MSNBC viewers. I mean, they obviously tend to trend older. That's just media in general. Uh, mm-hmm. Television, cable news media in general tends to, their viewership tends to trend older. Are, are they higher up on the socioeconomic ladder? Is that is that also the case? I I did not see anything, uh, not to say it doesn't exist, but I did not see anything that, that um, uh, suggested what their different incomes were. Mainly age was a thing. There were some other in- interesting uh, statistics, for example, um, uh, liberal viewers and MSNBC viewers uh, tend to have a lot more trust in the media. So uh, it's not only that they consume this stuff, but they will probably watch it at, at a uh, uncritically at a rate higher than than other audiences which is which is interesting uh you know i mean obviously a, a decade or two ago these people would have been the first ones sort of uh guffawing and kind of mocking um fox news viewers you know these dumb conservatives so how can they how can they trust what's obvious propaganda and and you know yeah the irony is especially post um trump these people have just been kind of uh uh, uh captured in the exact same propaganda system maybe a little less cartoonish uh, than you know someone like handy but uh some of the stuff that you see on there i mean it's, i don't it's, know anybody who's seen back. rachel maddow's uh, russiagate 
uh, coverage. It, cartoonish is not the word for it. Putin, Russia, Vladimir Putin, Russia, Putin, Putin and Russia, Russia, Moscow, Russia, Russian, Russian, Russia, the Russians, Russian, Russians, Russia, Russia, Russian, Russian, Russia, Russia, Putin, Putin, Putin. I mean, it's, it's an absolute. Uh, it's an absolute fucking catastrophe. So let's let's uh, I would like to just kind of pivot here for, for the, the final portion of our discussion here and, and sharing some some words that some sentiments that I think I shared with uh, your colleague, Luke Savage, on uh, last week's program. You don't have to be that old to remember when progressive media was kind of this cutting edge, independent, like Dennis Kucinich, uh, Amy Goodman, Democracy Now!, counterpunch kind of, um, you know, even Huffington Post was really kind of like um, on, on that wing of like dissident, dissident, independent journalism for sure. And 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 we were sort of fighting a, an uphill battle. And a lot of the people who are now kings and queens as it were the the overlords of and of of progressive news media on MSNBC were themselves uh players in that saga in that chapter it's interesting to see the way that you know whereas in 2000 you know you imagine a, a, a an al gore led democratic party uh beating up on the likes of of you know certainly michael moore and the Dennis Kucinich's of the world, those folks are now nearly like hegemonic in terms of like liberal news media. Speculate for us a little bit about that that transformation, and and kind of what that means for our politics. Do you think that this is this is a kind of um, a result of the long journey through the institutions, as they said in the nineteen eighties? Is this a success? Uh, of us sort of trying to win hegemony in the media and in broader society, do you think we can keep pushing this in a, in a leftward direction? Or are they really sinking their heels in here? Are we seeing a, a reaction against the, a, a further leftward shift of what used to be a kind of insurgent, dissident, progressive movement? Yeah, I think uh, I think it is a reaction to that, Polly. But I think also, I mean, Trump has so much to do with this. Um, it's and it's also about the the narrowing of the the liberal imagination, uh, which I think Obama uh, played a, a large part in. Um, you know, Obama came in, promised a, a whole bunch of things. Some of some of them he just didn't do, and actually went in the opposite direction. Foreign policy being uh, the the clearest example of that. Uh, and you saw uh, in polling, for example, when when Obama. You know, embraced drone warfare and a whole bunch of other Bush policies and actually expanded them. Uh, Democratic voters who had previously opposed that kind of thing uh, suddenly completely changed their minds because, hey, now now the good Democrat was doing it. So actually, maybe this isn't that bad. Um, and and I think uh, with the fights over healthcare and a whole bunch of other things, even though we know that the story is a lot less complicated, a lot more complicated. I'm sorry than um, the way it's presented as like, oh, Obama just wanted to do all this progressive stuff, but he was he, he was blocked and there was only so much you can do. Um, this isn't true, of course. Obama had uh, had hobbled his administration from the very beginning by bringing in uh, Clintonites, uh, Clintonite neoliberals, and, and and people from the finance sector who uh, neutered any sort of progressive uh, step. He he even pondered taking in the in the wake of the financial crisis. Not to mention healthcare reform. You know, Rahm Emanuel um, obviously uh, was big in, in sort of narrowing the uh, possibility of actually getting something beyond just Obamacare. But it's been cast in hindsight as well. This is just the case of, of you know uh, you just you just can't do all that much, and that's I think been internalized by a large amount of 
uh, not just voters, but also these these MSNBC hosts. You know, that's it's a big talking point for them. Um, and I think the other thing is Trump. It's 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 the 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 conventional wisdom that has been a failure more often than it's been a success in the past uh, what 30, 40 years, um, which is you know you have to nominate a a dull centrist who borrows liberally from the platform of the other side, and and in in some areas isn't even really an alternative um, to uh, the opposition. That that's been assumed to be the only way to win um, for for many years, and now with Trump in power, it's it's just sort of uh, viewed as well now. now you know, it's it's especially important that we stick to this uh, limited and and uh, failing formula. Even though it didn't work uh, with Clinton, I mean, it was a, a spectacular failure. It's yeah, like right. we we had to try it again. I think that's that's a big part of it. I, the the left wing. I, I think we yeah. Obviously, you know, we have to keep uh, doing what we're doing um, and trying to expand the horizons of possibility for in people's minds. Um, it's it's tough because you know we're, we're guys like you and I we're not going to get on MSNBC um, because it's so contrary to at least not for the for for the near future because uh, it's so contrary to to their economic and political interests to to have anyone saying anything like the kinds of things we say on that network. However, uh, you know things change, politics changes, and um, you know I mean you look in the UK right where even the shows there have started to. Um, uh, news current affairs shows have started to kind of allow people like the Navarra media people on there as commentators uh, because I think eventually it does reach a point where it, it, you can't ignore this anymore. Um, you know, I, it may take someone like Sanders to win the presidency for them to to, to have to sort of start more and more inviting um, uh, representatives of the left to be talking heads and to get their message out there if only out of sort of this commitment to balance. I mean, you're seeing it in the States as well. I mean, you know, uh, uh, my editor, Bhaskar Sankara, has uh, been on, maybe not MSNBC, but, you know, he's been interviewed by Brian Stelter on CNN. Um, so I think there is also an interest in, a, a, a small but burgeoning interest in left-wing ideas um, from the establishment press. And I think we just have to keep working and, and eventually that'll that'll break through. But it may, it may take a Sanders win, you know, yeah, for that yeah. to happen. I don't know. And I think you've, you've answered the question of uh, that kind of uh, march to the institutions, the, the battle for hegemony via sort of cultural media institutions that's really limited in the sense that it's going to ultimately come up against the sort of economic and political interests of the cultural, the controllers of culture, of the media sort of magnates. And, and you've, you know, Bernie Sanders points to this time and time again during debates in a, such a beautiful way. It's like, uh, the the one place, the one area that they can't just completely erase him is during a live, te you know, a televised debate when he when he points to the fact that we're not getting questions about the never ending war in Yemen and the Middle East and North Africa and and the coups in South America and Central America because you know oh let's cut to commercial you know this this live television you know division debate is brought to you by Boeing is brought to you by <laughs> Halliburton it's brought to you by you know all the rest of them and so. Uh, that that's we're bumping up against the limits of this cultural form of resistance, but yet uh, I think we need to we need to engage in, in in that anyway. And there's a lot of exciting prospects on the horizon as Bernie Sanders and the Bernie Sanders wave continues to grow and crest. So. With that, we're going to have to close. Thanks so much, Branko, for joining us on the program. I will link to that study in the show notes below. And for viewers out there, we're going to continue this discussion in audio podcast form. Be sure to check that link out below in the video description. 
We're going to be talking about Pete Buttigieg and his recent surge in the polls. We're also going to be talking about the way that the Organization for American States has been thumbing the scale in favor of the right-wing perpetrators of the coup in Bolivia. So you guys are not going to want to miss that. Check us out on patreon.com slash deadpundits. The link is in the show description below. Branko Marchatich, thanks so much for joining us once again. Always a pleasure. And as always, if you like this video, be sure to hit that thumbs up button. Hit that thumbs down button if you hated it twice. Hit that button twice. Be sure to show me who's boss. Leave a comment below if you have any questions or comments you'd like to, 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 to hit us with. I like to interact with you guys out there, answer some questions. Let me know if you have any videos or topics you'd like me to cover, all of the rest of it. You guys know what to do. We'll see you next time. <laughs>